0: For 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House.
1: Hour number four of our weekly radio broadcast, the 10 o'clock hour, the On the House hour. Where we talk about something on the house, and this one goes, in most cases, on top of the house. Last week... We talked about all the different sources of energy that provide the utilities that we operate our daily lives with here in the desert. Whether it was nuclear generation, coal generation, natural gas generation. One interesting thing that I noticed is a lot of those take water. The sources of energy creation that don't are solar and wind. And solar doesn't require any movement. We're a wind generator. You're still spinning a turbine. But solar is a stationary source of power generation. We had somebody call and was a little upset with us at the end of the broadcast saying, you know, the issue isn't. Uh, utilities is, is there's no competition. I'm guessing, I didn't get to talk to him, uh, but it's probably somebody from Texas where you can move into a house and you can decide uh, who you want your power supplied from. It's not like here where you've got, uh, uh, or you're either on TEP, SRP, or APS. And he's like, my problem is there's no competition. But you know what? That's not true either. You can put solar panels on and have your own power generation. And for a part of the day, you're the competition. And we're talking solar day with Kyle Ritland of Sun Valley Solar Solutions. Welcome back to the broadcast.
2: Oh, thanks. It's good to be back. Solar, yeah.
1: Never really thought of it that way. Doesn't pass production, manufacturing, install doesn't doesn't consume water to generate your power, mm. and there's no moving parts.
2: No moving parts. No, it's entirely static. Yeah. It's just at least, ca- at least mechanically moving parts, I right? <laughs> no mechanically moving parts. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just it's just um, it's kind of a, a just capturing photons, which is essentially light beams, and they you know interact with electrons, and in through that interaction they generate electricity. Photo panel captures that. full Solar panel captures that. Sends it to the inverter, and all of a sudden you're making electricity.
1: I'm always looking for things to reduce maintenance, and Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for things to reduce water. This one, for those two reasons alone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is enough for me to go solar.
2: Yeah, yeah, nuclear power plants take a lot of water.
1: (laughs) And how much electricity can a solar power generate? What we have today is not what we had last year, is not Mm -hmm. what we had a decade ago.
2: Mm -hmm. So there's panels now that can produce, residential panels that can produce, um, you know, over 400 watts. So... That's a lot.
1: And break that down. How many uh, in a day, how many kilowatts does the average homeowner use? I think on my bill, I, I broke it down to 53, I think, kilowatts yeah. a day.
2: Yeah, that's that's you're pretty efficient. Uh, there's some people that, that go quite a bit more than that, but that's a good average. And uh, so
1: the solar panel can produce how much?
2: About 400 watts. 400 watts. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, that's like the latest, greatest solar panel. They're anywhere just, it's kind of like buying a, a, a car, right? So you can buy a sports car that might produce 400 watts, or you can buy a, a nice little economy car that'll do everything you need for, you know, 350 watts or 325 watts.
1: And on our bill, we're charged by kilowatt hours. So mm-hmm. uh, this 400 watts, is that 400 watts an hour? Is that 400 watts a day?
2: That's just it's capable of 400 watts at a at a peak production. So you're not applying a time span over that. When you add the hour to that, that's just simply a measurement of, of of time span. So how much can it produce over X period of time? Yeah.
1: And can the average home have enough panels on its roof to supply the power it needs and be independent? Obviously, we're and we're gonna we've mentioned this. uh, we we haven't invented lunar solar panels yet, but during the day...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we'll get there.
1: During the day when the sun is shining, is a rooftop big enough to supply enough panels to support that home underneath it?
2: In many cases, uh, yes, but it depends on the home and how much energy that home is consuming or the people in that home. And it depends on the size of the roof. You know, one of the reasons that Solar panels um, make different amounts of electricity um, is because some roofs have less space. So if you have less space to put solar panels, you need a single solar panel that produces more energy. So the
1: perfect roof is a flat roof. You've got all the space you need to perfectly lay out your panels. You got a bunch of hips and valleys and architectural features, and you reduce your mounting brackets and reduce the amount of space you can put a solar panel on. You reduce your usable roof
2: space. That's right. And yeah, in the broadest sense, um, the more space actually you have facing south is probably best. Um, But, you know, depending on when you use energy, west might be best for you Um, because, you know, the sun sets that direction. So, if you're using most of your energy in the later afternoon, if you have some west-facing roof, we can make ample use of that as well. And
1: there's a solar is becoming very prominent in a lot of places. Did you see the three billion dollar billion dollar data center that solar data center they're putting in Mojave County?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's here to stay, and it's moving swiftly. Solar installer is um, in 2018 was one of the fastest. Um, growing fields um, in the country uh, for new hires. And that brings up a point.
1: A lot of times companies will add solar as a, quote, service to whatever it is they were before. They're a roofer. while well, I'm already up here, so mm-hmm. it makes sense to add solar. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I've installed a few solar water heaters, so I'm going to add solar voltaic power generation as a service. And
2: is you it need risky? To really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Might be the fastest growing industry, but it doesn't mean you want to hire the fastest person to the industry at the yeah. moment. Find somebody who's been in it a while because they they come and go, I would say more than probably just about any other trade I've, I've observed.
2: Yeah, well, it's a young industry and it's, um, it's one that is growing really, really rapidly. So uh, everybody wants a piece of it. And um, I think that goes back to... Uh, and plus, there's a certain, you know, people uh, who are into solar kind of kind of care about things. They're they're kind of in many cases they care a little bit about the environment and they and they want to make a difference and they're trying. To, so there's a sort of an altruistic component to it, and that's good kind of passion. Uh, the challenge there is that solar is a very complicated technology. It's a it's a push and pull with the grid, and there's a lot of math to it. And when you're Um, designing those systems, you're working on behalf of the customer and you're trying to optimize this relationship between them and their utility in a way. And if you really don't know what you're doing, um, there's a lot of places to hide mistakes um, because it is a little bit complicated. And we see this every day. Probably one of the most um, frequent calls we get to our service department is um, people looking to have their uh, solar energy system either repaired or simply checked because the partner that they originally that originally installed it has since gone out of business. We call them abandoned systems and we see it every day. Misconception
1: so. number 1 when you install solar, you're independent of the grid. Now, there are off-the-grid homes you can build. <laughs> yeah. And solar can be a part of that. Yeah. But for them to work in the way they work properly, And because we need our power generation at night, Mm -hmm. you're still tied to the grid. It's like you said, it's a relationship with your utility company. Right.
2: Right. So the utilities generally um, provide your power at night because solar panels obviously don't work at night. Um, the lunar solar panel. Lunar solar. <laughs> we're, we're Technically here. it's
1: still coming from the sun, right? right? That's the light reflecting off That's the sun right. and the moon.
2: <laughs> That's right. We'll get there. Efficiency, it's just efficiency. But anyway, so you know, your solar system works in partnership with the local utility. So what your objective is, is is to produce the maximum amount of your own energy and therefore reduce, or in some cases, eliminate what you have to purchase from your local utility. But there's always a relationship there. Um, And there's always a push-pull. So if your system is overproducing, such as during the day when you're at work and your panels are producing a lot of energy but you're not using it, that's getting pushed back to the grid. And the utility, in most cases, is giving you some kind of credit for that. They're operating, in a sense, as a battery for your excess energy, and they credit you back on your bill that credit becomes a part of your monthly calculation um, and helps you to offset your monthly bill. So understanding how to maximize that push-pull is really, really important. And you got to remember that there's different utilities, and there's different um, rate plans within those utilities, and everybody's home is different, and when they use energy is different. Um, So it's It's, like I said, it's a fair amount of math, and you want to put that in the hands of somebody who really knows what they're doing and has a good relationship with the utility because they are going to advocate on your behalf with the utility.
1: And then the utility is there. You can't just, you know, solar is used or generated as it relates to time, day, and weather. On a cloudy day, you're not going to produce as much Mm -hmm. uh, power as it is a clear, sunny day. Mm -hmm. And... But the difference between your solar panel power generation is to crank up the power generation stance. It's not as easy as just up or down. I mean, but thankfully you don't have to worry about those calculations. The utility does those calculations. You just have the panels on there, and like here's the power. Take it when you need it, and I'm going to use it when I need it. Yeah. So you're and you're there for me on those cloudy
2: or dark times. Right. Well, <laughs> ideally, your 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 solar partner is helping you with those calculations up front so that we're taking into account. So we look at a year's worth of your energy usage before we even start to design a system because we need to design it to your energy using usage profile. Um, so again, it just goes back to making sure that whoever you're working with has, has a good history, has a good reputation. Um, I mean, the very fact that that I think I'm sitting here talking to you kind of speaks to what you guys do as a resource, um, you know, what your network does as a resource. That was a vigorous, yeah. <laughs> that was a vigorous process you put us through uh, our company through in order to make sure that we um, adhered to your standards. And there are other resources out there. You know, SRP maintains a list of qualified solar partners. Um, There are review sites that you can look at. There's the ROC. There's uh, um, third-party professional associations like NABCEP, the North American Board of Certified Energy Professionals. Finding out who those are and asking whether your solar partner is part of those networks and has a history of being part of those networks and is uh, – you know, equipped to install it and equipped to service it if something goes wrong. That's all important questions that people need to ask. You guys are a resource for that as well.
1: Well, thank you, and thanks for being a partner with us and being every Arizona homeowner's best friend as we talk solar here. If you want to call in, have questions about solar, uh, you are welcome to join the conversation, one That's one triple eight rosie for you. Don't get your windows replaced until you get an education and a quote from the experts at Pella Windows. So we've got Adam Homer in. Your fiberglass product, in my opinion, it's the right window for Arizona. Explain that a little bit. Pella's got a patented
0: process. Uh, they trude fiberglass through this dye. Uh, it's a matted material. So unlike a, like the back of a shower enclosure, you know how it's random strands and yes, you know, it's yes. all pokey. And, right, right. That's not what our windows look like. Uh, it looks like almost like a window screen mesh when it comes through and, and ready to, uh, to put into the front. Frame. And once it's all heat sealed and, and made rigid, it goes through a powder coating process. So you can get a really nice looking window that's very strong, very durable. What matters is how you treat your
2: doors and windows. They are the weakest link. Take the time to think through the right door and window. Tell us two locations in Scottsdale and Tucson. Find them at rosyonthehouse.com
0: under certified partners.
1: So we've got people online that would like to talk to you. We're going to go to them here, but we're going to first cover the tax credit. Now, if you want to go straight to Sun Valley Solar, you can reach them at 480-689-5000. You've got people today. That's right. 689-5000. Go green at sunvalleysolar.com. Reason number one to go solar from our article today. Yeah. For me... The observation I never thought about before, the non-use of water, and that it's a non-mechanical moving uh, element to the home. But then you've got tax credits.
2: Tax credits. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got – we're in the last year of the 30% federal tax credit for solar. So um, it will remain as 26% next year, 22% the year after that, and then it's gone. Um, So if you want the maximum 30%, this is your year. And in addition to that deadline, we also have um, uh, APS will be reviewing their uh, export rate. That's the rate that they buy your excess energy back. They review that every September. And we'll have that review coming up again in September, and in all likelihood, that that will probably reduce again as well. The buyback rate, the and buyback we'll talk
1: about rate. what that specifically is in our longer break next segment. But let's see if we can help Amanda first, who's joined us at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you with the question that a lot of us ask: to buy or to lease? Welcome, Amanda. Hi. How can we help you?
3: (laughs) When I was looking for homes to actually purchase, we had found a home that had solar panels already on it. Mm -hmm. And it was a a lease program. And then I have a girlfriend that actually bought the the solar panels. Yeah. So which is actually a better option?
2: Hmm. Good question. Um, It kind of depends on what is the best option for you? It's kind of like leasing a car. Some people just with their personal um, life or decision or where they're at in their life at that time, leasing a car makes more sense.
1: Or if you're like me and you drive 50,000 miles a year in state, right? leasing is not a good option.
2: Yeah, so um, leases are great uh, if, if that makes sense for you. You know, some people that don't have a tax liability, maybe they're older or retired, and the uh, tax incentives don't really resonate with them, and they don't want to uh, put any kind of uh, cash outlay or do a traditional financing thing. They just want a, a cheaper bill. Um, a lease is a better choice for them. If you're going to be in the home for a while, if you're a little bit younger and you have a tax liability, I like more of a a traditional loan or even a cash purchase because then you get to keep all of the tax incentives uh, and the system belongs to you. Um, But it just kind of depends on what your personal situation is. I think leases work out really well for certain people. um, And I think that, that, you know, again, whatever your personal situation is, I think that purchases can work out really well for some people. When I bought mine, I purchased it, but you know, I'm forty seven years old and I plan to stay in the home for a while. And to me it was an investment and part of, you know, increasing the property value of the home. So anybody
1: looking um, at a home that has a lease on it, that shouldn't be a reason not to buy the home.
2: That's correct. You can transfer the leases and there are that is um not terribly difficult. It's a little bit of extra paperwork um but it's it's um, very very doable the terms of that would be set by the leaseholders who whoever the leaseholder is you would want to contact them and ask them what their terms are for transferring the lease um, but it's it's very very doable it is an extra step though whereas if you purchase the system, either through traditional financing or through a cash purchase then you own it so if you were to sell your house it does make for a little bit less paperwork in doing that transition and for the resale
1: value of the home it would it would definitely increase your resale value if you purchase the panels
2: right because it's part of the property so whereas with a lease you don't own it so it's not part of the property somebody else owns that and you're just essentially renting the panels so I guess to answer your question, man, it all depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it just kind of depends. But you bought a home with panels already on it, so it was was I to understand that it was more of a question about whether you want to keep those and transfer the lease.
3: No, the I actually bought a home that did not have panels on it. I see. And because I've seen it done both ways from a homeowner standpoint which would have been better for me but based off of what you're saying it sounds like actually purchasing the panels would be a better option because like you i am younger and i do plan on staying up in that house
1: I feel for Amanda because I'm the same way. Hey, I just want to know. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. But it's a calculated mathematical answer. There is no just right or wrong, yes or no. This is how much you're going to produce. This is how much you're not. I mean, you had the phrase for it at the beginning of the broadcast where you do your evaluation. You call that your.
2: Yeah. Well, we usually just produce a quote, but it's it's kind of like when somebody says, I need to build a bridge. How much to build a bridge? Well, how long do you need it? Is it being built on sand or is it being built on a mountainside? Do you need it to carry cars or is it just for people? There's a lot of variables that go into the calculation. So without sitting down and really talking to somebody, it's hard to arrive at a price. But the good news is it doesn't cost anything to do a custom calculation for somebody. You need
1: your solar evaluation. Yeah. Can your roof structurally handle it? Yeah. Is it? you know You're not going to put this on a Mexican chink rooftop that's 60 years old and brittle as can be that roof needs to be replaced it needs to be structurally sound then you can put your solar on top and you know that which direction is the hip facing or that's right is it flat and there's so many calculations how does your neighbor's tree shade your roof at a certain part of the day exactly let's go to carlos in tucson welcome to the conversation how may we help you
3: well, uh,
0: when I walk drive throughout the city, I see a lot of uh, instruments. They are battery-powered by night, and they have a small solar panel to charge the battery and to make the equipment run. So how come we're not doing that with homes?
1: Powering with batteries?
2: Uh, we absolutely are. Um, so batteries are, are great. They are kind of the answer to the holy grail in solar, which is how do you get solar panels to work at night? So if you have a battery on your home in the broadest strokes, you can store the power, your excess power during the day, and you can use those excess um, energy that you've stored um, to either power your home at night or power certain devices or um, to even offset um, peak demand fees and that sort of thing, depending on how you have your battery configured. So it's absolutely happening. As a matter of fact, in in SRP territory at the moment, SRP is doing a really good battery incentive where you can get up to $3,600 back for adding a battery to your home. So that's generated a lot of interest. Um, For among SRP customers, and we're having a lot of conversations with people about batteries right now. So,
1: and that's only available for the first 4,500 SRP uh, homeowners that take advantage of that $3,600 back? Yeah, it's up
2: to $3,600. So, it's essentially $300 per kilowatts of uh, capacity. So, depending on the size of your battery. Uh, it's going to be a slightly different number, um, but it caps at thirty six hundred. And when I looked last night, there were still like thirty
1: seven hundred openings. So, somebody would would they contact SRP directly, or I mean, if you don't have solar at the moment it doesn't make sense to stick a battery on your house so
2: would you contact your solar company the best way to get it started actually is is uh, drop us an email at gogreen sunvalleysolar.com and um, let us um, again sort of look at what your situation is where you're trying to offset energy how much energy you use how much energy you would need to store and we kind of get to it from there um, and, uh, and we can arrive at a, a calculation pretty quick for you. Batteries are there, and we're going to see those a lot more and more. In fact,
1: uh, even the utility companies are adding batteries to their, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, portfolio of energy sources that they use to provide us with constant reliable power. Uh, what happened with the – are you familiar with the, the batteries that caught on fire? <laughs> I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, that Somebody had asked us, is that something that could happen in the home? And I don't think it really is anything that – I won't say it can't. um, But, I mean, this was a huge bank, and it's not something that was in necessarily an air-conditioned space inside your home like your power battery would be.
2: Yeah, I don't know a lot about what happened there. I can tell you that there are thousands of batteries in homes uh, all over – the continent and there are thousands of batteries in cars that are parked in in garages and homes all over the continent and um, they're perfectly safe and happy so um, I don't think it's it's something to necessarily be alarmed by at the moment
1: yeah I, I didn't think so either and I wanted to hit our next point on solar before we get to our next call. Uh, we've got Dave and Glendale waiting to talk. Have you seen that Zillow's adding a solar number?
2: I, I saw it when you sent it to me, Roman. How cool <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah, that is very cool. But it doesn't surprise me either. I mean, there's enough homes out there with what's going on, especially in the Southwest from you know Arizona, California, Nevada, um, with so much new construction going on um, with homes coming right out of the construction process with solar already integrated, it's about time that the the real estate industry caught up in figuring out how to sort of give this a value number. And there's an article about net um,
1: zero home construction that's going to happen in California that they made an interesting point there that I think applies to solar. As he was saying, it, you know, we're having to build to a net zero home, but mortgages don't take net zero into consideration. You know, if you mortgage, your mortgage mm-hmm. was $1,000 a month, mm-hmm. and you still had $350 in utilities, you, know, you got a $1,300 month payment. Well, if you're at a net zero home, you're not going to have those kind of utilities, and that needs to be factored into the mortgage process. So it's like the lending needs to catch up behind it. The, the, yeah. all the advancements that's happening in the building industry and we're still in a lot of lending processes that are older than both of us probably put together <laughs>
2: yeah well you know uh, look at it this way solar is a, a disruptive technology and um, um, it's the beginning of a paradigm shift in uh, a lot of ways much like when smartphones first came on the mix everybody said well what are we going to do with our pay phones um, <laughs> right so recycling <laughs> right so um, you know there's 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 a ripple effect that happens and that ripple is making its way out there and it's starting to impact things uh, in all kinds of ways but the good news is it's it's heading in the right direction and it's going to be better on the back end so
1: and we're in a great place for it. The Environmental America Research and Policy Center has Phoenix for number three for solar voltaic capacity and number six for solar uh, voltaic capacity per capita. And they, I don't know why they didn't look at Arizona as a whole, but there really isn't anywhere in the state you couldn't take advantage of of solar, even in the colder mountain climates, you're that much closer to the sun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, we've got over 300 sunny days a year here. That's that's free money hanging over everybody's heads. You just got to grab it. Grab it. And you know, the most amazing
1: thing about all of that, 0.2% of the sun power ever reaches Earth.
2: Mm. We all 0.2%. need to make—we need to build a Dyson <laughs> sphere, Romy.
1: Let's get, let's get on that. Let's bring Rusty into the conversation. Welcome to the program, sir. How can we help you with your solar or energy question?
2: Okay,
3: so you guys were talking about uh, batteries get to fire. Those are lithium batteries. Uh, they generally have a flash point of about 120 degrees. So, uh, yeah, generally they need to be in an air conditioned or a garage that doesn't get terribly hot. Um, so that's some of the downside to some of the Tesla batteries that are out there. Um, so they're doing some things to try and combat that. But what I'm looking at is I'm looking at uh, iron flood batteries. And there's currently a company out of Southern California that's selling these uh, in 20- and 40-foot con- shipping containers. And I'm looking at a 40-foot unit that has a 1,000-kilowatt battery pack at a price of $40,000 that I'm looking at to support um, my future trucks. I'm, I'm, I'm on part of buy a Tesla big Rig. And so we currently have a 12-kilowatt system on our house, and we're looking at adding uh, another 100 to 250 panels to our system in order to store that power. And so do you know of any other battery packs that I should consider that have great power ratings other than water? We're already using uh, two 120-gallon water heaters to store, store hot water, so our hot water heater basically never runs.
2: So there is a massive amount of R&D resources flowing into battery technology at the moment. Um, like I said a few minutes ago, batteries are sort of the the holy grail in energy right now, figuring out how to capture your excess solar energy and use it when you want to. Um, there are a lot of up-and-coming technologies that are sort of on the cutting edge of that technology at the moment that all look to have some great potential. Um, I would not at this point, want to weigh in with a recommendation, either direction, because I think they're too new. Um, but I think there's a lot of promise on a lot of fronts, and we're going to see some really interesting things come our way in the next couple of years. And then, you know, what happens after that is is really exciting.
1: One thing that we have to combat mentally is a lot of people like, well, I'm going to wait till the next ad- advancement in solar comes out because they'll be that much better, but. So it's always like, why would you wait to save money? You don't wait to save money anywhere else. And this is one more reason to go solar now is because as batteries enhance, you could always add a battery later mm-hmm. and start taking advantage of the solar generation and savings now.
2: Well, solar panel production is measured in, in decades, not years. You know, most of the panels are warrantied for, for 20 to 30 years. Um, for peak production, so when you make an investment, it's one that's gonna it's one that's gonna produce energy for probably as long as you're in the house in most cases. So, yeah, you know, don't don't wait, you know, get your panels now and add your battery panel or battery pack of choice down the road.
1: Five more years of R and D and batteries yeah. is going to be pretty impressive. Let's see if I can get line one to. Yeah, there we go, David. I apologize. I tried to get you twice. Line one is like. Somebody must have had, like, Jolly Rancher goo last time they touched. It's like, number one is not working very well. Finally, David, welcome. Thanks for being patient.
0: Um, I got a couple of questions. I tried to get solar because I wanted to do it for the environment, and I wanted to save money. I looked into getting a lease. Uh, I talked to two different companies, and both of them came back with the same thing. I would pay more getting solar panels put on my house using the lease than I am paying currently to APS every month. They said because they calculated all the calculations and because I'd been frugal and don't use a lot of electricity, my demand hasn't been very high. They could only put so many panels on my roof. I'm not limited by my, the size of my exposure. I'm only limited by the amount they were allowed to put on my roof. Mm-hmm. They couldn't put on any more so I could generate more power and like possibly get some sort of savings. How is it that I can't save any money using the lease program in solar power?
1: This is a great question, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Hang on, Dave. We're going to break early so we've got extra time on the other side of the break to answer that, because that is another great misconception. Why can't I just load it up and produce all the power I can? hmm Talking solar. Kyle Ritland, Sun Valley Solar Solutions. Sun Valley Solar Solutions, 480-689-5000, 5000 You can email them, Go green at sunvalleysolar.com, or, of course, that's the website as well, sunvalysolar.com. If you'd like to, can uh, find out if your home is right for solar. Not every home is, and you made the great point that, you know, whoever David had out prior was at least honest and that it wouldn't work for him and they weren't just trying to sell them to sell them because the leasing companies do make money. And some people are out there just to make money off of you, whether it makes sense for you financially or not to go solar. So let's, let's first answer the question for David. First, he feels like he's being punished because he's been responsible and keeping mm-hmm. his energy bills low.
2: Yeah. So I guess the shortest answer to that question without looking at, at David's energy profile and energy usage is my guess tells me that he probably doesn't use a lot of energy. So if you're not using a lot of energy, then you don't have a lot of energy to offset. And remember, I said earlier in the broadcast that the calculation in terms of savings is based on sort of a push-pull with the utility. So there are some fixed costs in your utility bill that you can't really impact with offsetting production numbers, right? So there's probably the case that that David's energy bill isn't high enough to where you can get enough offset and have that um, align with a purchase price such that you actually wind up paying more to go solar than you would if you just kept your your energy, continue keeping your energy usage low. So, and I don't know, without looking at his bill, that's sort of just an educated guess. And he's still on the line with us. Does that make him
1: a candidate for just buying a couple panels?
2: Sure. I mean, it's always a matter of looking at at what your objectives are and then sizing the system either way. And that's what, you know, um, an agent would be happy to do with you is sort of look at your energy profile and say, well, you could pay this much for a thirty percent offset, or you could pay this much for a hundred percent offset, and those might have dramatically different payback periods. And depending on what your comfort zone is with that math and payback profile, that might resonate with you. Um, but it's just kind of a—it's a personal exploration process that begins by looking at how much energy you use and how much we can we can knock off the top.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Um, yeah, the question you asked on the way out, uh, that and another question. But first of all, why can't I they, – they limited the number of panels I had. They, because of my previous use, they said I could only, you know, produce X amount. Why couldn't I put three or four more panels they're saying I'm allowed to because I had room for it? Why why is there a restriction on loading up the house and, you know, having more money, that, more electricity than I need and selling it back? to the grid. Where is that and why is that?
2: Well, I don't know that there is any hard and fast restriction, so I can't speak to to that conversation. Again, it could be that maybe the additional panels would have affected the price of the purchase in some way where the payback period would have been extended? So they were advising <laughs> against it? I don't know. I think I would I would have to look at the proposal they prepared for you. But in a leasing
1: option, they only designed the system to produce what you consume.
2: Yeah. So remind me, was that a lease? Right. Uh, that's what
1: it is then. Yeah. yeah so, the, so in a lease situation, yeah, there's nothing to say. You couldn't outright buy enough panels to cover every square inch of your home and install them.
2: Yeah, because generally the leasers, the people that that are holding on to the the financial liability for the system, are guaranteeing a certain production number. So they need to be able to guarantee a certain production number in order to guarantee that they get the payback on the investment they've made in the panels on your behalf. So they do put some limitations on um, the – the way that you can size the system. So if you were to purchase the system, and therefore you're 100% owner in the system, you have a lot more control over how you can size that system. And how does that work
1: on the buyback
2: rate then? If he
1: did load up completely everything, does that affect your buyback rate from the utility if you've got a panel system that's pumping out twice as much energy as you use over the course of the year?
2: Yeah, so the more energy that um, you—the more excess energy that you uh, send back to the grid, then the more credits you get. So, yeah, so you oversize the system, you get more credits, and those credits then can eat away at other portions of your bill to reduce your bill further.
1: Final takeaways as we wrap up the Hour 1 tax credit. We've got for a purchase system right now we can get 30% federal tax back, and that's dwindling away over the next three years
2: yeah, so this uh, twenty nineteen is the last year of thirty percent. Um, so you would need to have your system uh, locked in, installed um, by the end of this year. If you want to take advantage of the thirty percent, it goes to twenty six percent next year, and then twenty two percent the year after that. and then it's gone. And then we also have in September of this year, we have the buyback rate and APS being reevaluated again. So there's a lot of reasons to give us a call now. And,
1: SRP customers, uh, the battery option is for the remaining 3,800 SRP people. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so up to $3,600 back from SRP. And the other thing is the the federal tax credit that I mentioned for solar can also be applied to the battery if the battery is connected to a solar system. So if you're interested in batteries, take advantage of that rebate. And the 30% A double tax whammy credit, for
1: yeah. SRP customers.
2: Right. And
1: there was one more SRP factor you wanted to mention about
2: solar. Oh, yeah. So SRP's got some new rate programs. So they just introduced some new um, um, solar compatible rate programs. So there's additional opportunities to do some calculations. So if you looked at it in the last couple of years, when they only had their demand-based rate program. There's now some non-demand plans that we can look at as well. So it's worth another look. And if you didn't get an opportunity to get your solar question answered or you
1: want to get your solar profile evaluated and figure out if solar's right for you, take advantage of that 30% tax credit. While it's still there, get ahead of any kind of rate review and be grandfathered in regardless of what the outcome of the decision would be. Sun Valley Solar Solutions, 480-689-689. Five thousand six eight nine five thousand. Email go green at sunvalley